Hello, I'm Alexia, and let me help you to take the fear out of birth with a mix of real-life positive birth stories and birthing experts sharing their wisdom. I'll also be sharing techniques for getting into the fearless birthing mindset. And join the Fearless Mumship community for bonus podcast episodes, access to free birth preparation downloads, and loads more stuff to help you to prepare for a positive birth. Join today at fearfreechildbirth.com. Hello and welcome back to the Fear Free Childbirth Podcast. This is me, your host, Alexia Leachland. Thank you so much for joining me today. Now, on today's show, I'm going to be sharing with you a positive birth story. It's been a while, hasn't it, since I've shared a positive birth story with you. Well, today's story is quite brilliant for so many reasons. Today, I'm going to be sharing with you the story of Sifi Dunn's birth, well, pregnancy and birth story. And the reason why Sifi's story is so wonderful is that Sifi was tocophobic. And to have tocophobia is the extreme fear of birth and pregnancy. Now, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you'll know that I used to be tocophobic and it was my own journey in overcoming my fears that led to me to do the work that I do today. Now, tocophobia is actually quite common. In fact, it affects up to 20% of women. So, it's something that really does affect more people than you realise. And it may be that you're listening to this podcast because you are tocophobic and you're trying to find answers or inspiration because you want to have kids yourself. Well, hopefully today's story will give you the inspiration that you need. Sifi was hugely tocophobic. She was so tocophobic, she couldn't even bear to see a pregnant bump. And this is very, very common among women that suffer from tocophobia. So her journey in going through pregnancy, getting used to being pregnant, handling the pregnancy on an emotional level, but then also how she planned for her birth, how her birth unfolded is also really interesting, especially for those of you that are worried about medical interventions. If you're worried about having, you know, having to cope with your birth going a way that you don't want it to go, then this is a story for you because Sifi's story did not go to plan. Her birth, she wanted it to go one way and it went another way. And so it's really worthwhile to listen to how she handled it, what happened, how she managed to retain a sense of control in the face of these things that were just changing in front of her to sort of come out the other end and still feel positive. So all that is why today's birth story really is positive for so many reasons and I think will be very inspirational for many, many of you to listen to. So um, that is what's in store today. Now, before I hand over to that, I do have a couple of things I want to share with you. Now, if you've been listening for the last few weeks, you'll know that I am going to be running very soon a five-day fearless birth prep challenge. Well, now you can sign up. So if you want to sign up for the fearless birth prep challenge, you just need to go to the URL fearfreechildbirth.com forward slash challenge and the fearless birth prep challenge it's for you if you're pregnant and you want help to basically figure out what you want for your birth and cut through all the overwhelm that you might have on google or wherever it is you know when you're planning your birth and you just don't know what you want and you don't know where to get the right information and you you're confused you're feeling a bit fearful you're feeling a bit all over the place with it really just to help you to get back to a calm and confident place so that you can feel that you're, you can look forward to your birth. So this challenge is for you. So basically, if you want to join us on the five-day challenge, it's all going to be kicking off on June the 12th. So if you want to join us on the challenge, you need to be 
in it, which means signing up for it. And so, as I've just said, you can go to the Fearless um, Birth Prep Challenge sign up page, which is fearfreechildbirth.com forward slash challenge. You can just head over to the Facebook page. There's a link there. We can sign up straight from the Fear Free Childbirth Facebook page as well. So I've hopefully made it super, super easy for you to come and join us on the challenge. And if you know anybody who's pregnant who could benefit from being on the challenge, then please send them over. Get them to join us. The more the merrier. It absolutely is going to be something that I hope will help a lot of women to feel a lot more confident about their birth. And certainly when you listen to Sifi's story today, one thing that the thing that she really imparts towards the end is the value of being well prepared and the value of being well versed in birth matters so that you can navigate the choices that you're facing with ease and with confidence. And she credits that with being what it made the difference for her in ensuring that her birth was a positive one in the face of it all changing, you know. So yeah, preparing for your birth really is worthwhile. So yeah, come and join us on the Fearless Birth Prep Challenge. And also, if you haven't joined the Fear Free Childbirth Facebook group, then do come and join us in the group. We've got some Facebook lives happening quite regularly and lots of lovely support from all the members that are joining. There's quite a lot of people joining every week at the moment. So do come along and tell us where you're at in your pregnancy. If you have any questions that you want to put to me or any of the other birth professionals that are in the group, then do come and join the Facebook group. Okay, enough of that. Now back to today's chat. Today, as I mentioned, I'm chatting to Sifi Dunn. Sifi has, well, she was tocophobic. She had an incredible birth experience. And there's just so much to learn from listening to Sifi's story. So without further ado, here's the time that I spoke to Sifi all about her pregnancy journey and her wonderful birth. I hope you enjoy it. Well, hello, Sifi. Welcome to the Fear Free Childbirth podcast. Hello. I'm so pleased to be here. I've been so excited to talk to you. (laughs) This is so exciting because we've been in touch throughout your pregnancy as you are a listener of the podcast and now you're here to share your birth story. So it's really exciting for me too. Thank you so much for coming on. It's my pleasure. I would have been pestering you to be like, hey, can I come on your podcast? You wouldn't have had to actually ask. (laughs) Now, what makes your story really interesting, certainly from my personal perspective, is that you were completely tocophobic um, before you were pregnant. So you were one of these people that, well, how did, how would you respond to a pregnant person before you're pregnant? Um, okay, so a while, I'm better around pregnant people now. And actually, I'm, I work as a pre and uh, postpartum trainer as well, so coach. So it's kind of handy to actually be able to cope being around pregnant people. But I would say a couple of years ago, uh, no, longer than that, probably about five years ago, I could not be around a pregnant person. Like the idea of like a pregnant belly, I was just like, ah, oh God, I couldn't cope with the thought. Um, And then I basically decided that this was plain ridiculous and I started doing more pre and postnatal training and then eventually became totally obsessed with pregnant bumps so long as they're not mine. Um, (laughs) And I could be around them. But yeah, I was I was I went into my pregnancy still with a major fear of being not a pregnancy, not on other people, beautiful on other people, 
beautiful birth horror 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 but pregnancy beautiful on other people and I went into my pregnancy completely terrified so uh, before we dive into your pregnancy and all that just quickly tell us you've hinted a little bit already about what you do but just tell us a little bit about Sifi who you are what you do and all that good stuff if we kind of crack on to the good the juicy stuff the juicy stuff yeah. oh I hate this question so much about Sorry. what I do because <laughs> I do for a living because I'm like I don't know basically the bare bones of it is that I am a person trainer and nutritionist but I feel that saying that really actually underplays what it is that I really do for my clients so I kind of then want to go like I'm a health and wellness coach but then I feel that's kind of really wanky way of saying I'm a personal trainer and nutritionist (laughs) so so I basically I work with my clients on like healthy mindsetting uh life coaching personal training exercise um uh, nutrition. I do a lot of nutritional online consults, and also I work uh, pre and postnatally with people. I love working with pregnant people. Love it. Fabulous, fabulous. So, in this, with all this in mind, then you are somebody that used to hate the sight of a pregnant person, or at least the idea. <laughs> then you got used to it being on other people, but the thought of it for you. So, just talk me through that transition from you not wanting to be pregnant and being terrified of birth to now being pregnant what what happened to bring about that change well firstly I met my husband I met my husband (laughs) (laughs) he's smoking hot (laughs) and I decided that I just wanted to have his babies um so yeah it's funny because I'm I'm not somebody who's like really massively maternal like I don't really like babies like I I love my baby my baby's awesome my baby's Rocco by the way Uh, (laughs) and he is gorgeous I've seen pictures of Rocco and he is an absolute dreamboat he looks like E.T. he's so cute so I love my baby but I don't really like babies per se like uh, yeah I love women okay I'm totally pro-women massive cheerleader for women always in women's corner so anyway I met my husband and I kind of, I wanted to have his baby, but before then, I didn't, I could have probably been somebody who didn't really want, like, I could have easily had kids or not had kids. I mean, ask me now if I would want to have kids, I'd be like, yeah, they're awesome, you've got to have them. But actually, pre-Rocco, I could have probably taken it or left it. So when I was pregnant and everyone's like, oh, but after the horror and the bloodshed, that is birth, you have a little baby. So that was like not a winning, that thing didn't win me over at all. I was like, I don't want, I don't care. You know, I don't want to give birth at all. Um, so anyway, basically, yeah, met my husband and I waited for ages with him until we tried to get pregnant. And um, I knew that I was going to be terrified of my body changing because basically the reason why I do what I do for a business is that I had horrific eating disorders uh, for about 15 years actually so I didn't really have very much in the way of my teenagers and my 20s because they were like totally riddled with body dysmorphia um, eating disorders you know starving myself bulimia just everything just everything everything you can imagine I did um, massive one for self-sabotage me so I always knew that I was going to be nervous about uh, like my body changing but I also ignored the fact when I was trying to get pregnant um, how terrified I was about the idea of having this nine-month pregnant belly because of course it didn't occur to me that it would gradually grow it would be suddenly I would have this nine-month pregnant belly and then have to give birth so that's what terrified me the most Mm. so how did you like I'm just interested in that that step change from 
I, I'm I, I'm not sure if I want kids to. Hey, let let's try and get pregnant. Like <laughs> that, that 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 that's quite a crucial step, though, isn't it, for somebody who's tocophobic? Because I, you know, a lot of women who are tocophobic can't even contemplate. It really affects their sex life with their partner because the thought of becoming pregnant is so terrifying. So I'm just interested in how you coped with that that little transition po- moment. Okay, so this is a bit my husband doesn't necessarily know. So, okay, we decided, because uh, we got married last year in uh, May 2015, <clears throat> and we decided that um, we wanted to be married before we started trying. And <laughs> basically, when we first started sort of trying to have a baby, I would, um, yeah, I was basically, I don't know how a way of subtly saying that I was trying to avoid it. <laughs> but that's to say after sex i would like run to the bathroom (laughs) be like jumping up and down like i can't do it i can't do it (laughs) um and i kind of emotionally in my head wasn't really like wasn't really ready to start trying and basically go go forth to like august i think it was august 2015 I, i remember the last day of my period first day of my period was the 28th of august and I decided then and there, right, do you know what? I, Because we had this stint of talking about we're going to be trying for a baby and I actually genuinely thought it was going to take me, I thought it was going to take me a long time because firstly I'm older because like... I was, oh, how old are you? How old I'm 34. Are you? Oh my word. I, I, I think I'm a baby <laughs> but everyone thinks I'm geriatric. So I, I said to myself, I kind of spoke to myself in the mirror spoke to my husband I was like right if we're going to have a baby we're just going to do it now we're just going to do it now because I because I kept up for all those months leading up to like August I just kept up I mean I was literally sprinting to the bathroom I was avoiding sex I was doing you know and I just I was so consumed with oh my god I don't want to be pregnant I don't want to be pregnant I don't want to give birth I think that was really the underlying thing was I don't want to be nine months pregnant and give birth mm. it was I kind of wanted like the cute little bump bit um and you know I, I kind of wanted that bit but I didn't want like the outcome <laughs> at the end of it and so I went to my husband and I was like right that's it we're gonna have sex now and we're gonna have a baby now and it's gonna happen now thinking it was going to really take me forever and yeah yeah basically I knew I was pregnant within about five days of that <laughs> wow. yeah okay so then so how was how was your how did your pregnancy start then how was it for you I felt the moment I took the test I was at home and it was so bloody typical because I'm like, I never go out and drink. I don't, I'm really, I'm really quite boring. I'm like somebody in bed with a cup of Ovaltine at nine, nine o'clock in the evening. I'm not like a party animal at all. But I had plans that evening to go out with um, uh, one of my friends for like to a really swanky bar and go out for drinks. And I was so excited about it. But I felt like, I just felt like doom around me. And I thought to myself, something feels really different. I'm going to take a pregnancy test thinking there's no way I'm pregnant whilst actually knowing, yes, I'm completely pregnant. I took a test with my friend on the phone to me. And when I saw the, the, the line, I was just like, I was on one hand, just so excited. Like, couldn't, I was just like, oh my God, superwoman. I cannot believe I have literally just manifested a baby. That's so super cool. And then the other hand, oh my God, I'm pregnant and I can't breathe, and this is really real now. This is, like, this is real. And I just kept on staring at the stick, and then I took about 45 of them. 
And they were uh, all saying you're pregnant, like you're really pregnant, like massively pregnant. Yeah, like you're definitely pregnant. <laughs> like you're definitely <laughs> pregnant. There's no like kidding you here. So how long were you in that kind of shock moment? I, that shock moment feels really familiar to me. I, I also remember experiencing, well, the first time, I don't think I ever experienced the joy bit. It was literally just the, oh my God, I'm pregnant. And I, I you know, that took me a while to get over that. How, how long did you kind of cope? I don't know. How did you handle that, those first few weeks? Oh God! You want to talk more about the first few months? Or the first few months? I don't know. Yeah, tell me. It's tell me. Awful. About it. it was awful, Alexia. Honestly, I really I didn't do well with it. I, I. It's funny. I wouldn't let myself be excited. I knew I was because I really wanted to have a baby. Um, I really did want to have a baby, but I couldn't let myself feel any joy. And as actually a video, I took a video of my husband. Um, I hid like the thousand pregnancy tests in one of his t-shirts and one of my t-shirts on the bed. And I said to him when he got home from work, I said, can you please go get me my t-shirt? I'm quite cold. And I followed him with my camera phone into the bedroom and his face oh bless his sweet face he just crumbled he was so excited and you can just hear me on the video going look I don't know how I feel about it I don't know how I feel about it and he's like his face is crumbling he's so excited so of course I felt like a major you know dick um yeah that that feeling of total overwhelming shock do you know I can almost akin it to grief I, I don't know why I just had this gloom around me and it last we went on holiday in the October just like and I can safely say I don't think I was even on the holiday I was just dead um inside and my husband and I my husband who utterly worships me and I'm so incredibly lucky he's he was just he just wanted me to be, be okay and I can safely say, and I know I get really mixed um, signals from people when I tell them this, but I was genuinely considering to have a termination because I was I was so grounded by fear, mm. absolutely grounded by fear. So I could function like for work and with my clients and, you know, I loved work because I could go into work mode. But like when I was doing things like holiday mode and weekends and on my own, oh, awful. I just, I literally went to dead inside. It was dreadful. Um, I wish that I'd felt excited because I feel like I almost have robbed myself a bit of that excitement. Um, and it was like every time I felt started, I started to get excited, I'd squash it. So how long did that phase last for you then? Oh, pfft, God, most of my pregnancy, from being honest with you, right up, to about, wow. <laughs> right up to about three weeks before. But I remember, I think it was like a Tuesday morning and I got to have been like 20 weeks pregnant by this point. But I knew absolutely when I say I wanted to have a termination, I, I was not really serious about it. I was not spiritually serious about it because I couldn't have done it. Um, do you know what I mean? I say I'm not, mm. I wasn't spiritually. Mm. Uh, yeah, I just, I, I couldn't have done it because I knew that I wanted to. So I kind of got it into my head that, do you know what? This is something you want and... Sif, you are a master at, at, and I am a master at um, conquering my demons. And I have been, because I had, when I say horrific eating disorders, I think if I hadn't have done the amount of self-work and mindfulness that I had done, I can honestly say my eating disorders would have killed me. I would have, I would have been that kid in the news, like saying somebody's just died from, you know... So I knew that I had the emotional capacity to be able to work through these fears, but I had this constant internal dialogue of anxiety and fear about 
uh, just about pregnancy and childbirth and what is it about other women who turn into just horrible people when you're pregnant they think they're being helpful and lovely but they just want to remind you of just how dreadful it is to be pregnant and heavily pregnant and how awful childbirth is and the most awful pain it is and then they just want to dive into sharing you every horror story that ever was and then you turn on the tv and then there's like the worst ever like one born every minute and you know the walking dead and you know just just every horrible thing that could possibly happen. So I felt like this kind of negative mindset of fear was being fueled by everywhere that I was going. And it was at the point then when people would even start saying nice things about being pregnant and childbirth, I kind of would shut it off. I wasn't even open to it. And then I remember one morning walking down the stairs and I, you know, I had quite a bump on me at the time and I was dragging my butt down the stairs to go to work and to be starting work at like six o'clock in the morning. And I sat down on my stairs going, I'm exhausted. I can't take a further step. I, I can't do this. I am terrified from the moment I wake up to the moment I go to bed I can't think of anything. I, this is consuming me. Mm. So I put on my my Google, on my iPhone, I just put, do you know, I think I even put the words, um, fear of pregnancy podcast. I'm fairly certain I put that in. And you, you came up. And I didn't leave my step until I had downloaded like like 20 of the episodes. And I just started mashing through them. And it was from then that kind of, I'd say like the healing began kind of thing. <laughs> so, yeah, because I wasn't getting help from anyone. Like when I went to the doctor, I remember, I remember the doctor I said when I went to say, look, you know, um, you know, I, I would like to think that the anxiety that I'm feeling is not regular levels of anxiety. Like I am terrified and I remember her sitting there going well did you not think of this before you got yourself pregnant <laughs> no I'm not I was just it wasn't my regular doctor I was just like well yeah exactly thank you that's really good advice I really knew I was going to react this way because I genuinely didn't know that I was going to be as flawed with fear as I was mm -hmm. I didn't know I knew that I was going to be worried about my I knew I was going to be scared about birth but I thought I could delay that fear until like you know nearer the time I, I knew that I was going to be very terrified about my body changing, but then I'm also somebody who's really in control of my physical body composition. So I kind of thought, well, I can deal with that. I could not deal with the emotions I felt at a hormonal level. Um, and it was it was probably really like one of my darkest places. So as I said, when I found the podcast, I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> Amazing. Well, I'm just want to before we talk a little bit more about that, you know, your healing journey as it began. You know, you talk a lot about being a life coach and mastering, you know, overcoming stuff. And I'm just wondering how, you know, you, did you try using your stuff on yourself? Did you have a block on that? What, what, did you did it didn't work? Did it? What? Well, tell me a little bit more about about that side of it. No, I used nothing on myself. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, no, can't do that. I ignore, totally like do as I do as I say and not as I do. <laughs> I ignored every part. I just couldn't. I, I honestly could not. I was just looking for, I was just looking for somebody to come and save me really. Like I was just, I couldn't, I can't describe the dense emotional fug I was in. I was not capable outside of, 
exercising and eating well, I was not capable of doing anything. So I just put my research hat on and I most, um, okay, one of the biggest things that I coach people is to be in action. Um, I think we can spend a lot of time in like pre-contemplation and uh, languishing in good ideas, but then when it actually comes to it, um, people always don't necessarily want to do the work, yeah? And I was that person. I didn't really want to do the work. I didn't want to do the work to kind of help heal myself from this fear. And I think actually that's one of the things that really drives me the most crazy working with people who want to make these massive changes is they kind of are looking to anybody just to tell them what to do and fix it. So I was kind of swaying from, right, I want to research everything and become like this complete birthing geek to um, wanting somebody just like you <laughs> that's why I spoke to you to fix it for me <laughs> so I kind of swayed between the two and it was from listening I I just thought to myself right okay all I can do is be in action so what are the things that I can do at the moment and I was like well I can listen to the podcast and so that's what I did and then on the podcast it would be like hey, we've got this really cool speaker today. And so I would then go and look at that speaker. And then I kind of, whatever came up on the podcast, I'd kind of chase that person. And the more of these positive birthing stories I listened to, the more it opened my heart up to thinking, hey, do you know what? There's, is it possible that this could be the most amazing thing that could ever happen to me? Is it possible i started opening up my head to the eye and my heart to the idea that giving birth labor and bringing forth a baby into this world could actually be the most amazing bonding special thing that i could do with me and my husband and i'm like deeply in love with my husband i know we all love our husbands but i mean i'm deeply in love with my husband and i really wanted i really wanted to have a wonderful experience and because of the podcast I learned about a doula and what a doula was and so I thought right I'm gonna get a doula and then my doula Dawn Powell was absolutely amazing she educated me with a whole bunch of of stuff and I just started reading books and then I just became actually almost slightly obsessed about changing the information that was out there so I don't know. I'm pretty much sure that I, I know what you feel about the, the idea of, of uh, birth in, in mainstream media is. Um, but I decided to switch off from that. Um, I, I just thought I'm not going to listen to One Born Every Minute. I'm not going to listen to any film. I'm not going to watch any film or talk to anybody about any birth experience that is not beautiful. Um, it's really funny because people kind of kept on wanting to tell me their horror stories. And so I just ended up having to be like, listen, I would really love to hear your birth story. But at the moment, I'm not in the place to be able to listen to this. Um, I, I, you know, because I do believe that everyone's birth story is beautiful and everybody's birth story needs to be shared. But I do kind of think for people who've had horrible, horrible tales of, of giving birth, they probably should share it with a therapist and not a pregnant woman who's about <laughs> to go into labour. <laughs> so, and, and that's a horrible thing to say, I know. But, like, don't tell me a birth story when I'm literally about to go and have a baby. So, yeah, I just, I just put myself in action. And so that was the one bit of advice that I give to all my clients, which is be in action. And, um, and I was. I put myself in action to seeking out 
the most beautiful stories that I could and I became obsessed with YouTube like YouTube is amazing for finding beautiful birthing stories and then you had like a hypnobirth I think it was Sophie Fletcher on the show and so I was like right hypnobirthing great I'm gonna hire a hypnobirther and um I I, I hired a hypnobirther and I did private sessions with her so whatever kind of whatever came up on the podcast I just used it as a way of being an action to research something so did you do any did you do any of the stuff on yourself did you actually tackle any of your fears directly no so basically you were able to by taking action by researching by finding a great team of people to support you by filling your mind with positive stories was enough for you to be able to overcome your fears no No? (laughs) No. do you know what I think it was one of those things where (sighs) I really started to open up to the idea that birth could be beautiful. And it was really weird. On a very deep level, I couldn't really believe it because it just felt like it was almost when I, when people kind of knew how much I was researching my birth and when people knew, I mean, people research strollers for like days on end and that's just what you're going to put your baby in. Do you know what I mean? I couldn't understand why it was weird that I would want to research, you know, my choices when it came to giving birth. Like for me, that's like a bizarre thing. Like that's, I have a real deep respect for childbirth. And that is something that came to me from from my research was just actually how amazing childbirth is, how amazing women are, how um, it was just, it was potentially, it could be the most beautiful connecting thing I could do with my husband to really cement our relationship together. So in a way, I just chased the dream even though I didn't believe it. So I didn't believe I could really have that, but I knew that I really wanted it. And so therefore, it's another thing which I sort of kind of deal with my clients quite a lot. A lot of time when I work with clients, they don't necessarily believe they can be where they want to be. For example, if I'm working with somebody who is, you know, 12 stone overweight, they don't necessarily believe that they can feel better and move better and eat better and feel great. So I always sometimes tell people, put the belief down and that's work towards what we want. So that is basically what I did. So I suppose in a way that I I worked towards what I wanted and not what I believed was possible. Mm -hmm. And, um, and that was the best thing I ever did. Mm -hmm. And, but just before, uh, like about three weeks before I gave birth, the fog and the mist lifted. So I'm absolutely convinced that um, my fear was kind of, it was it was like a hormonal imbalance. Like I was not reacting well to the hormones. <laughs> they are, they are. And, and the hormones magnify anything that you experience emotionally anyway. So if, you're, if you've even got a flutter of fear, the minute the hormones are in there, it just uh-huh. becomes this huge, scary thing. So... Yeah, a lot of what you're saying sounds incredibly familiar to me. I kind of, you know, I was I was that fearful person in my oh, first pregnancy. God, I was so fearful. And then, like, the fear, like, it, it's really funny because I, I decided also that I'm going to start blogging about this. And I use things like Facebook and my own blog. I did a few little bits and pieces. Um, and I started writing, actually, about my fear because I, I just 
kept on thinking to myself, why do women, I know so many women who approach their birth dates with like the sort of Damocles hanging over their head. It's like we send women into childbirth terrified. And if you tell me I'm going to be one way, then I will sure as hell find a different way of being. Like I won't take things lying down at all. So it was kind of the more people wanted to tell me about how horrible it was, the more I was like, well, I'm going to prove to you that it could be amazing. And so by, by the end of my pregnancy, I like had like an acupuncturist, a therapist, I had, I had like hypnobirthing, I had a doula. Um, I, I just became the most knowledgeable, well-equipped person I could possibly be. The thing that I found really frightening was from, from the blogging that I did, and the amount I was open with people about my fears is on one hand, they were deeply respected. And I got, I got so many people writing to me, like really quite like, you know, popular people who've had babies uh, writing to me going, where the hell were you when I was pregnant? Because I was terrified. I felt like this. I felt like that. I didn't feel like I could tell anybody because I just kept on being told that I should be really grateful for being pregnant. And, you know, and so it was... It came to me that actually, you know what, if you are tocophobic, if you are frightened, if you have got these sort of emotional demons when it comes to childbirth, your feelings aren't really warranted because you should just feel damn happy that you're pregnant, you lucky, lucky person. And I even had somebody write to me one time and I was really shocked it was a client and it really upset me. And they said, to, uh, it was a couple of my clients wrote to me and said, um, I mean, they're still my clients now, and we had a conversation, and it's brilliant. But they, they sort of said to me, listen, we don't feel that you should be putting on Facebook or on social media or on your blog, we don't feel that you should be talking about how much you don't like to be pregnant and how scared you are, because you're lucky to be pregnant. Um, because I'm thinking about people who can't be pregnant, or people who've had miscarriage, or people who um, have lost a child. And the thing that struck me was, is what, what, this sounds deeply callous and it's not meant to be because I work with people who lose children, have miscarriages and can't conceive. Um, but it's like this kind of idea of like competition for who's got it worse. Um, and I don't like that. Like my fear and my kind of hormonal state around my pregnancy was totally removed from somebody who maybe had just had a miscarriage. And that is totally removed from somebody who perhaps can't um, get pregnant. They're all completely separate. They're all completely separate. It's kind of like saying to somebody who's had a miscarriage, well, don't complain about having a miscarriage because at least you know that you can conceive. That's far, um, far better position than being somebody who can't conceive at all. Do you know what I mean? There's, there was a whole kind of battle of like you shouldn't your feelings aren't warranted because um you're just damn lucky mm -hmm. so that obviously made me just feel like I was even bigger because I wasn't connecting to my bump at all I wasn't connecting to my baby at all mm -hmm. so um that uh that's kind of what I was really interested in exploring so did you at any point start to connect to your baby during your pregnancy <laughs> no and actually this is the one thing that I kind of I had to I had to find a different way of being because I knew 
as I said before, this is a very wanted baby, a very expected and wanted baby. And, but no, I could not connect to it at all. And again, I felt like a real a-hole for not being able to connect to my baby and oh like like people like oh you're feeling a kick is it wonderful and I in the end I just started going yeah it's gorgeous I can't wait but I just I felt and I'd go home and cry because I felt nothing so I didn't even have when people were telling me the pregnancy horror stories and the birthing horror stories I didn't even feel like I could get to this place of but I'm soon gonna have a baby and it'll all be worth it like people go oh it's so worth it and they smile at you and I'm like I, I couldn't I had no connection to this baby at all and there was one thing where uh, I, I was very interested from listening to your podcast quite a lot and I love your what you talked about with several people about your baby marinating and your emotions Mm. Um, but that, that was something where I actually had to switch off from that. So, of course, I always say to people, you're not going to like everything here, are you? <laughs> you've got to take what you like and leave the rest. And I realized that idea of my baby marinating in my emotions actually made me feel like I, I, couldn't, I, I couldn't do that. Um, so I kind of developed a new belief for myself. And beliefs are just beliefs, aren't they? I mean, they don't, what are they really? They're just beliefs. Okay, they're not they're not anything, they're just beliefs and they're what they hold what they are to you. So I liked the idea that he was in a place he wasn't earthside yet. So he must have been in a state of what could be total bliss. Yeah, because he doesn't know what it is to have any demands put on him. He doesn't know what it is to need anything or to crave anything. He's got no desires. He, he's just in this place of never, never growing and everything's there on demand for him. And I actually fell deeply in love with, it sounds so stupid. Like I couldn't connect to my baby, but I could connect to my placenta. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, it's so, I, it sounds ridiculous. But I even wrote a whole like blog on it, like uh, about, I just thought to myself, I love my placenta because I'm so freaking awesome that I have managed to grow an organ that is going to provide my baby with everything he needs because and I can't give him anything more than that. And so I felt so deeply in love with my placenta and the fact that actually no matter what, my placenta is looking after this baby, is loving this baby. It's like a big cushion in there, just giving him everything he needs. And I know that I couldn't have grown this placenta if I hadn't got the love. Mm. Um, and so I didn't do any games of prodding the baby, shining a light, talking to the baby, playing music. I, I really had to dive into that belief of the baby doesn't know. The baby doesn't love me. The baby doesn't know anything and he must be in what must be heaven. You know, to be in a place of no desire, that's amazing. I thought, I'm just going to leave him alone. I'm going to leave him alone. And I didn't connect to him until about two or three minutes before he was born. And then, wow, did I connect. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we're getting, I, I really want to hear about this birth story. So, I'm just, so take me forward now to maybe the few weeks before. So now maybe, did you say that in the few weeks before you started looking forward to connecting yeah, to your baby? Is. So tell me about that little shift between, you know, where you were for most of your pregnancy to that, that kind of almost like the joy of, of, of having a baby and, and, and when that started. I got exactly what I wanted. So the whole thing about being in action and just chasing what I want, even though I didn't believe I'd get it, totally worked, yeah? 
So it, it totally worked because then um, I worked right up into 39 weeks and I then decided, right, baby's probably going to come this day. Because everyone kept on saying to me, oh, you're, ba- you're so big that your baby is going to come now. Like just now, basically you're going to go into labor right now. So I thought, right, I'm going to, I'm going to stop work. And the second that I stopped work, because I had a really stressful set of circumstances leading up to the birth. Like I ended up having to move last minute. We had a family feud. Um, uh, I found one of my clients who was also one of my dearest friends dead. Uh, It was just dreadful. So when I got to 39 weeks pregnant, I stopped working and I took a week just to kind of nest. And I was still at this point, like I wasn't able to get excited about washing all the baby grows and do you know, my husband did it. But it was kind of like my body wouldn't let me birth this baby until I had time to actually connect. Because the whole pregnancy, I kept myself so busy so I wouldn't have to think about birth. I just, I would just go, every time I thought about the birth, research mode. Every time I think about, you know, going to labour, research mode. Watch a happy video. Um, and then, I can't even describe it to you, I started taking some proper time for myself because I basically the baby my baby came like three three weeks like over his due date I mean whatever I don't believe in due dates really but I mean um the baby came three weeks late and in those three weeks it was almost like a hormonal level something lifted and I started to feel really good in this oxytocin. <laughs> and I think that must have been what it was. It's just the fog. This fog of absolute doom lifted. And I started to feel... I got exactly what I wanted because I started feeling really happy. Like, really happy. And I started looking forward to the birth of the baby. Whereas I kept on feeling like, I don't want the baby to come now. So I stopped exercising. I stopped doing anything. Because I was like, okay, I just want want him to cook in there long. Because I actually started really enjoying being pregnant. Tell me. What person in the height of summer enjoys being like 43 weeks pregnant? (laughs) I loved it. I was just like, oh my God, this is amazing. And it's just any time any flicker of kind of worry or anxiety happened, I could top myself up with like um, a, a happy YouTube video or a podcast or or reading, um, I don't know, just reading some of my hypnobirthing stuff. And I just, I could get to this happy place. And I started really getting excited. And it just proved to me that none of this was any, like, deep psychological I was going through. It was it was hormones. It was like hormones. I was like this one big walking hormone soup of horror. Mm. <laughs> I loved it. And I got exactly what I wanted, which is I wanted to go into my labour feeling so excited. Mm. So tell me then, what, what point did labour kick off for you? What, what, what was the first thing that happened that made you realise this is it? <laughs> okay, so I was planning a home birth. Um, so yeah, like with the help of like you and the podcast and, um, um, and everybody, I was like, I'm going to have a home birth. And of course, everyone's like, oh my God, you're crazy. Go to a hospital. It's awful. You're going to be ripped to pieces. Um, I thought to myself, do you know what? I'm going for a home birth. And I decided to have a water birth at home. So, um, and I had a doula and it was, I just wanted to have a midwife led home birth, um, with, uh, with my doula and my best mate there and my husband and it was really fun I kept on um 
it must have been, I gave birth when I think it was the 15th, and it must have been about three days before, I just started feeling like kind of periody cramps, and I started feeling really happy and like really good and really excited. And so I thought to myself, I think this might be happening, I'm not sure. And it was really funny because I was on Snapchat, I do a lot of Snapchat chatting and social media, so I was like posting with everybody everything that was going on. Um, and then I decided, you know what, I think something is stirring. I was still working, like doing some online coaching and stuff. And I phoned up my acupuncturist and I went hurtling over to his house and got him to like put a million different needles in. And he also had these um, fear needles that he'd put in, like um, fear release needles mm. in my head. And so I was like, just put them in and leave them. Then nothing really happened. And so it must have been like really like long latent stage of labor. Nothing really happened. And then it was uh, on the day that I had, on the Tuesday, I had, um, I saw my acupuncturist and he was like, right, you're probably going to labour tonight. And I was like, okay. And I went home. I, I sent my husband out for a curly whirly. <laughs> and then my waters broke. And I was like, is that my waters breaking? Or did I pee myself? I'm not sure. Because it wasn't like, again, this massive gush that I thought everyone like had. It was just like a little bit. And so I sort of waddled upstairs and I thought, oh, it's like a period pain. Huh, kind of cool. I hate the word pain. It was like a periody sensation. And then I had like my, my show happen, which I don't know if people know, like you get like the mucus plug <laughs> that came out. And then my husband came in with my curly whirly. He handed me a curly whirly and I handed him a tissue with my mucus plug. <laughs> nice. <laughs> this is so cool. And I, I just got so excited and I went straight into... Um, having contractions right away. And so my husband's like running around, he's blowing up the birthing and pool. And I'm, I'm just, I, I, I went into like, my, my labor happened really, it, it just started quite quickly. And I started having contractions. And um, so my husband phoned up like the midwife team, we phoned up my doula, my doula who could, cause we thought she wasn't, cause <laughs> yeah, we're talking about everything going wrong in pregnancy. My doula, um, unfortunately her dad, started getting really ill and so like literally two days before my due date it was like I might not be able to be at your birth so I was like oh my god everything wrong I can't believe this um but she ended up being able to come and my best friend turned up first and then next thing I know I was just beautifully contracting at home and it was exactly what I wanted Alexia I was we had the candles burning I didn't have music so I didn't want it I just had the tv on and my, my best friend came and uh, it was just wonderful. I was like filming my contractions. I was trying to like take lots of photos and I was with my husband and it was just at home, private. It was lovely. Oh, it, that sounds lovely. You went on Snapchat, were you? I was like, oh, Snapchat game. I think I'm in labour, but then I was in labour. And then I was like, oh, <laughs> I'm in labour. Yeah, it's happening. Right, I'm going to go. <laughs> so how did, how did labour progress for you then? Uh, I loved it. So I was at home for 13 hours and I, I think I was mostly on my knees kneeling onto the sofa like just breathing away and like the the hypnobirthing again I couldn't get I couldn't get to a place of like envisioning like the hypnobirthing tracks because it did a lot of the hypnobirthing thing didn't really work for me but what did work for me was I so wanted my own YouTube uh, home birthing video. I wanted my own, like with the music and everything like that. I wanted my own perfectly edited hypno um, home birth labor. 
And so I just kept on visualizing what was going on to me, with me from that perspective of like what it's going to look like. Um, so that's what I did. I just kept positive images in my head the whole time. And because um, my labor didn't go quite as I, as I wanted because after about 13 hours, I was 13 hours at home and it felt wonderful and it felt great and I loved contractions and I just felt like once I could really get into a contraction and again when I was listening to this podcast and I'd listen to other listeners talking about that they're just going with the flow of their contraction and everything I was just be thinking oh what a load of crap that's never gonna happen oh my god this is never gonna happen but you really do I, I really did I just went with the flow of my contractions and I was really enjoying them and um I think, in a way, I almost missed my window for giving birth in the way that I wanted, which was in the pool at home. Because I, I refused all examinations. I actually, in my birth plan, even said, please don't examine me, don't offer in any examinations, I don't want to know, because I didn't see the point in knowing how, how many centimetres dilated I was. I was very much, please don't use any negative language around me, because I'm very, very sensitive to language. And um, so I was... Um, and people like saying, are you in pain? I'm, no, I'm not in pain. Stop telling me I'm in pain. I'm not in pain. I'm just doing what my body needs to do. Um, now that I look back at some of my videos, I can totally understand why people presume that I was in pain. <laughs> was I hollering? <laughs> why were you kind of got screaming out loud? What, what was going oh, on? Yeah, I was. And it was really funny. Every time my husband left the room, everyone said that I kind of knew that he had gone. I'd be like, <laughs> <laughs> and he one time came in with a cup of coffee and I think I tried to throw it at him oh. uh, so, but it was it was just it wasn't from a place of being in pain I knew you were going to I've just like Riggs I bet you're going to ask me about was I in pain like no I was not in pain but anyway so um no, I no, did... no, hang on. Anyway, don't say anyway so what were you feeling if people looked at you thinking that you looked like you're in pain but you what were you could you describe what you were feeling when oh yeah I can something primal like it was awesome i loved contractions because i'm a really busy headed person yeah i don't switch off ever and so when i was contracting the only thing i could deal with was these contractions and i can safely say that period pains are worse really? yeah yeah like it, it, i cannot i'm i'm gonna get a little bit deep on you here but I know true pain, okay? I know true pain. My mother died in my arms of cancer that I watched eat her out from the inside out. That's pain. Mm. Birthing a baby and bringing a baby into the world, it's not pain. <laughs> it's not pain. I can't, I can't liken it to pain. It was the most intense feeling. Um, I didn't even feel them in waves. I didn't even feel like everyone talked about, like, I didn't have a problem with the word contraction. I didn't have a problem with the word waves or surges, nothing like that. They didn't come to me in waves or surges. They were just, they felt like I could liken them to quite intense period cramps. And they were, they were strong and intense, primal, but I just can't tell you that they were painful. I, I you know... I just can't say that they were painful. That doesn't mean to say they're a walk in the park. Yeah. It's hard, isn't it? It is hard. Yeah. And intense, but it's not pain. At least that was my experience as well. I'd, I had to dig deep and I had to 
like pull everything I had from my strength to to do it. But it it wasn't a painful thing. It was a hard thing. See, it's really funny. I didn't even find I okay. This is what I found hard. I can totally get why anyone would describe uh, contractions as being painful. For me, what was hard work was keeping in the mindset that all this is is my uterus working a muscle. That's it. Because I'm, I'm actually a power lifter um, as well. That's my sport. And I, re- I enjoy it. I compete or I used to compete and stuff. And I could safely say that, you know, it, it's just another squat. It's, it's, you know what I mean? It's just, it's just another squat. But every, with every contraction that came, I just felt more and more happy and it must have just been oxytocin like mm. I was just getting huge surges of oxytocin and that stuff needs to be bottled up man like that was it was awesome so I found it hard to stay in the mindset of this is not painful this is intense mm. it is not painful um and it was really funny when I say I feel like I missed my window for having the birth that I wanted um, again, I don't know. I haven't talked to anybody about this. <laughs> so I could have had an orgasm when I was in the pool. Really? Yeah. I, could. I have not had an orgasmic mention yet by somebody. This is very exciting. Okay. Um, <laughs> Tell me more. <laughs> okay. So, right. I loved my contractions. They were so intense. And I wouldn't get in the pool. I didn't have a shower. I didn't want to get in the pool. I didn't do anything that would, I think, what I thought would slow my, my labor down. Because I was going, like, Alexia can do this in, like, six hours. I'm gone for this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to phone up and say I did it in, like, two. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I, I just wanted to have it quite quite nice and quick because it was quite intense. And um, I decided to leave getting into the pool for as long as possible. When I got into the pool... Oh my god, that was amazing! <laughs> it was so amazing. I was just like, oh, "This is awesome!" And my husband like ordered like this like flipping community sized one. So I like, I got in the pool, and oh god, this is so embarrassing. But I basically started um, trying to pleasure myself, <laughs> <laughs> and it was awesome. And I kept on, like, I kept. <sighs> Yeah, I was really trying to go for that because I just thought I want to open up because I could feel I could feel my baby descending. I could feel myself opening up. I could feel everything going right. I could feel his head coming down. I felt everything because I just decided to really try and connect with my my body and my contractions, which really surprised me that I was able to do it, but I just could. And I remember somebody saying, you just will be able to do it. Um, so So I did. Um, and yeah, I, I started doing that in the pool. And then for me, that's where it all went a bit like, I want to say tits up, but not in a negative way. So it might sound, I really want to like, I want your listeners to understand that my birth did not go as I planned, but that still doesn't mean that it was the most amazing 30 hours of my life. I loved every minute of it and I would never change a second of it. It was awesome so with that (laughs) so what happened what happened um my husband then got in the pool with me and when I was like when I was like in the pool and I was doing that um I was really conscious of the fact that I had like my doula around me my best friend around me a couple of midwives there and it just felt too busy it just felt too busy and I felt like I actually became quite 
paranoid and because I'm 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 like I'm not like the most overtly sexual being ever like do you know what I mean like I'm I, you know I'm not I'm I'm quite I'm not prudish but I'm I'm quite private about that kind of thing and it just suddenly felt like I actually can't do this there's too many people here um and um and then my husband got in the pool and I remember him getting in and him looking going to the midwife she's opening up and it was from that point where I felt like oh I feel like I felt everything regress I felt everything just stop and um I felt my baby boy stop descending I felt him move into a funny position like it like in, um and it just then the labor started happening on my back you know in my back passage and that was intense I'm still not going to say painful it was intense because what happened was is between the contractions um I didn't get a break between the contractions and I went on I, I was pushing for apparently what was like three hours at home and they don't usually they don't usually like you to push that long but I was pushing and I knew that I was doing it for no point because I just I felt where his head was I knew that he wasn't there I then agreed to have an examination and then I kept on, it took me like an hour because I was like, yes, I'll have one. No, I won't. Yes, I'll have one. No, I won't. So Because I had made up my mind in my head that if they examine me and they say what I think they're going to say, which is they're going to tell me that I'm not as dilated as I was, um, um, I'm going to transfer into hospital because I, 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 I just think that it would be pointless me staying here and carrying on trying um and it was really weird I felt myself start to close up so whereas I felt when by the time my husband got on the pool I felt really kind of open I felt really dilated I felt like right my baby's coming here any minute my husband got into the pool and then I felt everything go nope um so that that to me um is where for me physically speaking in my body it all started to go a bit like okay I don't I you know this is not going how I want it to go um and ended up um agreeing to have this examination they did say what they said uh which was like you are only seven centimeters only <laughs> seven centimeters dilated <laughs> I hate that um and I knew that I had been fully dilated. I knew I could feel, I could feel my baby's head there. Cause I was all like all up in there. Like, yeah, this is amazing. Um, so uh, I sort of said, right, okay, I'm going to transfer. And then at that point, I think my, my, my husband was like, are you sure now? And I was like, yes, I'm sure. <laughs> and, um, it was re- my doula and my husband were really good. They did exactly what I asked them to say, which was don't let me make any quick fire judgments. Like, let me sit with it for a bit. Um, and I decided to transfer and I became heartbroken. Alexia, I sobbed. I, I sobbed my heart up, not because I was in pain, not because of anything, not because it was too intense, not because I wasn't in heaven. I, I would genuinely say that my whole of my labor, I was in heaven, but I sobbed because I so wanted to have a home birth and I remember you even writing to me to like do some to do like um some mindfulness to let go of that desire to like maybe go with the flow more Mm. and I absolutely went with the flow but um I was really I was gutted that the flow wasn't to be like the home birth Mm. um so I was sobbing and then I felt like I really let my best friend down because I was kind of aware on an outside way that 
you know, somebody looking in that actually I must look like I'm really in pain and that I'm wanting to transfer because it's all going wrong. And I kept on screaming out like, I just feel like I've let my best friend down because she did have a terrible birth experience because um, she went into her birth not very well versed. And so she didn't enjoy her birth experience, but she so wanted to be at my birth for her own healing to kind of only almost let go of her experience. Mm. And I just, I wanted her so badly with every fiber of my being to, I wanted her to know that I'm fine. This is awesome. I'm in heaven. This is awesome. Please don't think I'm, I'm upset or anything. So I was kind of grieving that I had to transfer Mm. because I wanted, I felt like I was letting her down. So silly, isn't it? Mm. Like to be in labour and thinking, oh, I'm letting somebody else down. <laughs> like, you know, oh, that's very me, though. So anyway, went in um, uh, in the ambulance, off to hospital. And from there, um, I had decided I wanted an epidural. And at this point, I was hollering for an epidural. And it again, not because I was in pain. And not even because it was too intense. I think it was just because I knew, I just... in intuitively knew my baby is not coming now and I do need to take some rest Mm. so I had an epidural um and which in turn was like the best and worst thing that could happen to me because I the only reason I say that it was the worst is when I was having the contractions at home with no intervention whatsoever I felt awesome but uh, but because it is very intense and you've got like the intensity was built up from all the oxytocin coming and all the happy hormones and all this wonderful feelings around birth. Well, as soon as I had the epidural, the, the, the happiness stopped. Do you know what I mean? I'd stopped feeling able to cope with the intensity anymore. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah. So I knew that once I had an epidural that and it started to wear off, which is what they wanted. Um because uh, I refused to have all the, the synthetic oxytocin and things like that. I just said, I'll have the epidural, but you let me dilate on my own. And they were like, you know, they just knew not to argue with me. And I was like, you know, they, you know, the whole, they, they, I think they did try at one point to be like, you know, will the baby be in distress? Can we put a baby monitor on his head and stuff like that? And I was like, no, you can't. You cannot put a needle in my newborn baby's head and he's not even out the womb yet. Um, he's fine. He was showing no sense of distress I was absolutely fine. Everyone thought I was tired. I wasn't. I was pumped. I, I, I was. I really was okay like, the whole time. So I just want to dwell a little bit about you know your interactions with the hospital staff and how you know because some women do feel like they're being coerced into stuff or they don't really know what's going on. Or so how did you feel? It sounds like you felt really confident and you kind of knew what you were dealing with and. So just talk a little, you know, did I get that right? How, how was yeah, all that going? Spot on right. Now, if I had gone into my birth uneducated, um, my birth would have been one of those typical births where I would have turned around and had a horror story. It'd be like, oh, I was ripped in half and forceps and blah, 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 and sort of thing like that. And then I was forced to go on this. I was forced to go on that. And then they started to induce me to keep my labor going. I, if I hadn't been so well versed in what my choices were, what the outcomes of all those choices were, what certain interventions led to, what interventions would obviously lead to other interventions, what ones I were okay with, what ones I wasn't, then it would have gone horribly wrong. It would have done. But I was so... I knew from every angle of every eventuality what I could do and what would be a payoff to whatever. And, um, and they knew that I knew. 
they knew that I knew because I'd been in, in touch with like the um, supervisor of midwives like the whole time. Like, you know, when they even started talking about like trying to induce me and everything like that, like I just went all like flipping science geek on their asses, like, you know, like, ah! <laughs> good for you <laughs> yeah they just they just knew that i was i was somebody who's very very well versed and um and with that they didn't actually put any pressure on me to do anything so i mean they came in they were like oh you, your waters broke ages ago so therefore we're going to put you on antibiotics and i was like is the baby in distress no okay is there any sign that baby is not okay no he's absolutely fine well i feel fine so i don't need to have any antibiotics um you know, we need to keep your labour going. Well, why? Like, am I dilating? Because by that point, I did agree to have um, regular checks because because I had said yes, I want to have a, an epidural. I then couldn't feel what I couldn't feel what I could feel before, which is like my my dial, you know dilating and stuff like that. I couldn't then feel that. Um, they really res- they did. I have to say, they did actually really respect my. Um, they respected my wishes. Um, and they, they didn't do any intervention that I didn't agree to until the very end where, uh, and it was obvious, like, when I say that the epidural was the best and worst thing that happened to me, it was the best because, you know, I'd been going at it a long time and it, they were intense and actually having a little bit of a break Having a little bit of a break from the back, the, 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 the pressure on my back passage that was where it was good but I did miss the feeling of my contractions because I loved them what I didn't enjoy was the the pressure on my back passage that was all it was um um and again it's not pain just just um it wouldn't give me a break that's all it was but when that when the um epidural started to wear off which is ideal because you want to be able to push and stuff. And I was fully dilated and I was ready to go. And he was a little bit still kind of not, not, I hate the word stuck. He wasn't, he'd worked his head up into a slightly awkward angle. Um, and he was also nine pounds four. So, wow. <laughs> <laughs> so what I started to get a bit worried and panicky when the, when the epidural was wearing off because the contraction started coming back tenfold and I didn't have that wonderful, happy hormonal juice of mm. of everything before because it was like the intervention of the epidural stopped the it, it just it stopped everything feeling good for me. Mm. It stopped everything feeling. Um, and then the frustrating thing for for me was I, I I did give birth on my back and I was desperate to like I wanted to squat I wanted to move but um, the epidural did make my legs go very numb. And I couldn't, I mean, like, I had my doula, my husband, my, my best friend trying to hold me up and stuff like that. But I, I, I just, I couldn't, my legs did go completely numb. Um, which was, again, not, not, not a bad thing. It was just, it was, that was a payoff for the intervention that I chose to have. I chose to have an epidural and the payoff was that I then could not do what I wanted to do, which was squat. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think, but in all honesty, I think even with me trying to squat and get in a different position, I still think I was going to need a little bit of help. So what happened in the end was I kept on visualizing that I was going to go into theater and I could not stop myself feeling this. And I kept on screaming to my doula like, oh, my God, I, I just keep on thinking I'm going to have a C-section. I'm going to have a C-section. It was really weird. Like I, it was for like one moment I let my, uh, my, my, you know that you know that the moment in labor you have that moment of like i just can't do this anymore yeah i know that one (laughs) and it's not and it's really weird because i want people to know that 
that moment can be whatever you want it to be. So it can be, I just can't do that anymore because I'm in searing pain and this is awful. Or it could be just, no, this is just intense. It's like, imagine having a screaming orgasm for 13 hours. At some point, you'd have a break, wouldn't you? Yep. At some point, you'd be like, enough, get off. (laughs) Enough for the orgasm. Yeah, enough, I don't want any more. So it it was kind of like that. So um, it was really funny. I could not stop visualizing that I was going into theatre. And it turned out that I did end up having to go into theatre. And that was, and I I just remember the the obstetrician came in and everyone was really good. And everyone was like tiptoeing around me and like going, right, you know, an obstetrician is going to come in now and they are going to talk to you because we do feel that, you know, after six and a half hours of pushing, you might not be able to, you know, you know, you're going to have to have a bit of help here. And at that point I was just like, do you know what? I've done everything I can. I have done everything I can and I am not he was right there he was at the tip and I could not could not push him out and um so the uh doctor came in and she was super cool she was really awesome and I just looked at her and I was like you need to understand that I do not want to have a C-section. She's like, yes, darling, nobody does. I was like, no, you need to really understand that having a C-section is just make it not happen, yeah? She's like, I, if I can just have a look and see where your baby is, I, I can tell you there. I let her investigate. And she said, right, your baby's in a beautiful position. I think you could be pushing here forever. You do need to, I need to give you a little episiotomy and a little bit of help and you'll push this baby out. And um, so I was like, okay then. Going into theatre was a scary bit for me because it was kind of, that was the that was the deep fear because one of the fears that I had was medical intervention. Um, that was one of my biggest fears throughout my whole pregnancy was being intervened with and being out of control and in the in the arms of the white coats who wouldn't care and stuff like that. That was also I forgot to mention that a bit at the beginning. That was actually one of my biggest fears. And I have to say. It was, she was brilliant. I was arguing with her. I was like, if I have to have a C-section, I want to be, I want to have a double sutra. I want to have this. And she was like, oh my God, okay. <laughs> so so um, end up having an episiotomy. They used the forceps. Um, it was absolutely fine. And I, I had this envision, again, because I thought medical intervention is going to be awful. They're going to rip this clamp across my baby's head and hoik him out. And it just wasn't like that. It was really super gentle. It was, it was super gentle. She talked me through everything. Um, she did one little tiny pull and they're like, right, we're going to wait for the next contraction for you to push him out. And I was like, no, sod that. Ugh! And he came out. <laughs> <laughs> Just like that. Ugh! Yeah, like, Ugh! Not waiting for a contraction. Because sort of I, I had this envision that, that the clamps were still on my baby's head. So it was really funny because I was so terrified of medical intervention. But because I was so well versed in what would happen with what medical interventions, my experience was still awesome. Mm. And I know it, it must, it must sound, because I can almost, I can almost imagine being one of your nervous listeners going, well, this doesn't sound like a very positive experience. And I really want to say it was. And please, because sometimes, no matter what, an intervention does have to happen. You know, sometimes we just have to go with the flow. And like for me, I could not 
do it all on my own. I gave it everything I got and I did need to have a bit of help. Now, as I said, it could have, if I hadn't been well versed in my choices and the outcomes of stuff, I can guarantee you my birth would have probably been taken from me. But because I was so well versed and I knew exactly what, and I wasn't able to be cajoled into anything because I knew the signs of my baby wasn't okay and stuff like that. I I felt like I was in control of everything that happened to me. Mm. And it was, it was just awesome. It was just, it was just awesome. The only thing that I can say that I truly had to mourn was the fact that I desperately, as I said, I, I was in love with my placenta and I really wanted to do, um, I didn't, I wanted to give birth to my placenta naturally and I wanted to do a cord tie, not a cord clamp. Um, and I wanted to burn the cord, you know, and I wanted it to be a bit more of a ceremony at home, like the whole separating my baby from the placenta and stuff. And that I couldn't have because it was a theatre um, theatre thing. And I knew, like, at that point, I just wanted... Like, and I wanted my baby to be weighed in one of those lovely scarf things and not put on, like, the scales and stuff like that. So I, it was the immediate afterwards where I felt like this is... This this bit has been robbed from me, but that was circumstance, not anything else. Mm. Um, I wanted, like, my baby desperately tried to do the breast crawl up to me, but nobody could kind of hear me going, please help me, I can't get my baby up, so this sort of thing. Um, and that was the only thing I can say safely that I wish that I had had and I didn't get. Mm. It was the whole you know, the, the whole after bit of like the placenta and the, 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 the separating of the baby and being in the water and being at home. But to be fair, the hospital knew how much I wanted it and they knew how much I wanted to have a midwife-led care and they knew how much it all meant to me and they knew that birth was so sacred to me that they honestly did everything that they could to give me the best experience possible. So I think... My my thing is, is I had a really great care provider. <laughs> I did. And it was very, very easy to keep control of my of my birth because of the education I had. And that is literally down to the podcast. So mm. thank you. <laughs> <laughs> my pleasure, honey. Thank, and it really, it, I love sharing a story like this as well, because I think the point that you've just made is really so important. And that is that a positive birth experience it doesn't have to be a natural birth. It doesn't have to be a water birth. It doesn't have to be a home birth. The, what's positive about it is how you feel about your birth. Exactly. And what you were able to do was to stay feeling positive about how it was going and feeling in control and feeling like you're making the decision. Yep. You felt empowered with information. And, dis- oh, yeah. and, and, and so you knew, and that's where negative birth experience come from, is from not feeling in control, from not being not knowing what's going on from feeling like people are doing stuff to you rather than you giving them permission to do stuff. And so, you know, everything that you've described is brilliant for all those reasons. And I, I, I too hope that pregnant women listen to this, realize that that positive experience is about you taking the power. And that's exactly what it was. And that, that that, you've took the words out of my mouth, which is, it was about power. I wanted to have the power. I wanted um, I was so scared that everything was going to be done to me and that it was going to be like a medical situation because that's the thing. My belief was that, you know, birth isn't medical. It's not medical. It, it's natural. It's it's birth. <laughs> so um, 
I mean, the idea was that actually, okay, I did have to have medical intervention and I, I just want to implore people to please research your options. There's so many things out there, free information, this podcast, the information I got from my hypnobirther, just um, books, I'm staring at a load of books like Ina Maid's Guide to Childbirth, Childbirth Without Fear, the Hypnobirthing, um, Catherine Graves, um, Sophie Fletcher, you know, that all these these amazing, um, these there's amazing resources out there for you to stay in control. And for me, that's, control's like a massive thing. Like, I like to micromanage my life. So, like, I was never going to not want to micromanage my birth. But, yeah, it was just, it was just awesome. And what I had at the end of it was I wanted so badly to feel excited about giving birth. And I got that. And that Mm. meant a lot to me. I really wanted to feel pumped for birth. And I did. And now I'm a total birthing junkie because, like... (laughs) It's so stupid because I'm now going to train to be a doula. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah, doulas are awesome. They are, aren't they? I want to train to do, like, um, I want to expand my my business and I want to study to become a hypnobirther and a a doula because, for me, it's all about um, positive community. I want to help... I just want to break the cycle of sending women into labor terrified because it's really interesting. I've since spoken to a lot of people who have given me their perceived horror stories of their birth and actually helped them reframe it because a lot of the time people tell you these horror stories and when you actually listen to the nuts and bolts of it, physically speaking, it's just birth and it's, it's how they have felt about it. It's how they have felt about it that is actually the key decider on whether it was a negative or a positive experience. And also, I really want to say this, I want people to feel that they can share their positive stories without feeling judged because it's really funny. Like, I, I, I tell people I cannot speak of my birth in any negative way. My birth was awesome. And I tell you right now, if I was told that I could go into labor now and do it now all over again i would pay money to be able to do it amazing i I loved it that much the deciding factor in your in your birth experience well it is with anything it's just how you feel about it so if you can put yourself into a position of of power by knowledge then great that's what I think anyway. So what would you say? I mean, you know, this is a hell of a journey from somebody that was tocophobic. So yeah. thinking about the tocophobic women that might still be listening if they haven't switched off with all that pregnancy talk and baby talk that aren't pregnant, but want babies, but are terrified. And, and here you are having done the whole gamut, as it were. How Have you got anything that you might want to say to somebody like that, given your journey? Oh, God. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I do. Oh, so much. Where to start? I was that person that people were telling me I'll be okay and I'll survive this and I didn't believe them and I st- I wish there was something that I could say to convince you that it is the most awesome thing. For me I want to tell anybody who is terrified to do the work. Get educated because it will be, if you are fearful, then that fear is only going to keep on growing. And 
what you believe is what you're going to receive, yeah? So if you are terrified that birth is going to be the most painful, awful experience you can ever go through, and you're, you're getting that kind of validated every step of the way, that is going to be the experience you're going to get. It's up to you to change that around. Childbirth is not painful if you can get your mindset right. And it really, ups- I, my experience now, it seems to be upsetting people when I say, it. for me, it was not painful. People seem to think, seem to think well, you, had a, oh, you were really lucky then. You had a really easy time of it. No, I had really actually quite a difficult time of it. I'm saying that in quote marks. Um, but for me, it was just joyful because I put myself in a position where I was as educated as I possibly could be. Mm. And I was able to take control. Open your mind up to the idea that an intense feeling doesn't necessarily mean pain. Yeah, so there are, there are many types of intensity. Intensity does not equate to being painful. Brilliant. And I'm, I just want to get a little, a quick summary of your, your birth stats, if you will. Like, yeah. like how long, like what time did you, did your plug go? And then what time was baby born? Just so I get a sense of that. Yeah, sure. Okay. So he was born on the 15th of June at 11.55. A.M. Um, in the in the evening. Oh, in the evening. Okay. Yeah. And I think, is that a Wednesday? Yeah, that's a Wednesday, isn't it? And I think it was... 30 hours plus I think it was around six or seven o'clock the evening before I think that's when that's when like it was like my my plug went (laughs) and your due date was May something then wasn't it yeah 29th of May what rubbish 29th of May and so little one was like on the 15th of June so that's quite a significant lag isn't it yeah I know they wouldn't believe me I was like listen I know my I do know when I conceived this baby (laughs) I do know better than your computer system as to when my baby was was born and it was conceived like it was ridiculous like you want to tell me when like my baby was conceived ridiculous so yeah 29th of may and i was like no (laughs) was he was he red like did he look like he was late did he look like he was on time did well i don't know because like again it's one of those things where they could anyone could turn around and go well oh my goodness it's just because he was nine and a half pounds i mean that's hefty that's the heckin' baby. But I also, like, so again, I won't have all this being told, like, oh, imagine if you went another week over. Like, I could have happily gone another week over. I could have. And because, like, the thing is, I've got to look at it. Like, I was born, I'm, I'm nearly six foot tall. My husband is, like, 106 kilos of pure brawn, wow. um, you know, six foot two. We're both big people and strong people. I was born 11'3". Oh, wow. My husband was born nine pounds. We were never going to have a small baby. (laughs) So it's one of those things where I I think he was just ready to come. A baby came when he wanted to come. Yeah, yeah. And I wasn't going to rob him of his last day. Oh, my God, the idea of induction. Like, I wasn't going to rob him of those last days of that little heaven pot that he was in when he was stewing in niceness like I wasn't yeah. going to ruin that for him no, no, no. he came when he came so yeah. no Perfect. so I could say that he was really overdue like rubbish he was he came 
<laughs> yeah, he came when he wanted to. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. No, it's been no, it's been amazing listening to your story, and I'm really grateful to be able to that you've wanted to share your story because it's such a great story for women to hear for all the men- reasons I've already mentioned. So, thank you so much, Sifu, for coming on the Fear Free Childhood Podcast. It's brilliant. Oh, you're most welcome. I've had so much. As I said, I was going to stalk you anyway, and I'm sorry I stalked you during my pregnancy too. <laughs> <laughs> so that's perfectly okay. Perfectly okay. Now, it, now, given all your work with pregnant women, it'd be really great if you can just and also your Snapchatting. Oh, yeah. If women can, like, you know, where can people find you online if they want to find out more about what you're up to? Oh, my God. So I've just found Snapchat, which is amazing. And um, somebody did a shout out on Instagram about me. And so and so now I've got loads of people on Snapchat. So I actually have to put good content up. <laughs> and so, um, right, Snapchat, Seafy Dunn. So it's C-E-E-F-E-E Dunn, D-U-N-N. Okay. Um, that's my Snapchat. And every single day I do, like... Um, food cooking tutorials I go around the grocery shops I answer questions about health and fitness and what best exercises to do when you're pregnant and um I do like little cooking tutorials and stuff like that and I do it with my baby by my side um which is good fun so do find me on snapchat you can find me pretty much anywhere on the internet under natural born cave woman amazing yeah so instagram is the best place to go natural born cave woman and i do lots of i mean at the moment it's a bit baby spammy and like pregnancy spammy and like i talk a lot about birth and <laughs> and, and stuff what big so, birth junkie and all i'm a total birth junkie <laughs> yeah. i want to do it again um so um and my website, you can find links to my website. My website is cfidun.com. It's slightly neglected at the moment, but it's still usable. And you'll find links to all my um, social media there as well. Perfect. Perfect. Well, thank you once again, Sifi, giving a big hug over from where I am to where you are. Um, we're in the same country, though. So that's great. So but thank just you. Just like miles away. I know. Thank you so much, honey. <laughs> You're most welcome. I hope you enjoyed listening to Sifi sharing her birth story. There was so much there, wasn't there, to her overcoming her tocophobia, to her wonderful birth that included orgasms, which I haven't yet had on the podcast, to all the changes that happened at the end and how she handled that. So there was definitely a lot there and I hope you feel inspired listening to her sharing her story. Now, if you're listening and you're tocophobic, then if you do want support in overcoming your tocophobia, then I do run tocophobia support programmes, which uh, run a few times in the year. So if that is something that you're interested in, then basically it's an online programme, but I'm there to hold your hands through some of the more intense parts of overcoming your fears. So if that's something that you might be interested interested in, then do come and check out the website at fearfreechildbirth.com forward slash tocophobia. Now also at the beginning I did touch on the Fearless Birth Prep Challenge which you can now sign up for so you just need to go to the Fear Free Childbirth website anywhere you'll just see a red uh, uh, not a red banner you'll see a yellow banner just click on it and you'll be able to sign up straight away to join in the challenge which kicks off on June the 12th so if you're pregnant then I hope that you will come and join me on the Fearless Birth Prep Challenge. I hope that today's episode has been inspiring and useful and I'll see you again next week. Bye for now. You've just been listening to me, Alexia Leachman, here on the Fear Free Childbirth Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Now, this is just a wee reminder that if you'd like to listen to bonus podcast episodes and have access to loads of birth preparation downloads, my video mini-series on reducing your fears and so much more, then join the Fearless Mamaship community today. You can join at fearfreechildbirth.com. Until next time, bye for now.